3: what is up Nets fans welcome to Brooklyn Buzz I'm Nick Faye no Jack Manuel but longtime friend of the show will Jackson is with us will how we doing
1: uh a little a little just getting relieved after that one a little down to the wire didn't have to be so close but um I guess predictable is what we can call that type of game for the Nets now how are you doing Nick
3: I'm doing all right. Like you said, you know, the Nets had a 10 point lead. It looked like they might coast to a win. Next thing you know, Minnesota has it down to one (laughs) and the Nets. But they pull out the victory 112-107. Wasn't pretty, but it's still a W. And that's what we like to talk about. But as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com and Blue Wire Pods. Will, what do you think was the major issue for the Nets down the stretch for the reason that Minnesota got back in this game? Because they were up, you know, 8, 10 points and really had some good you know, distance between them.
1: I mean, I feel like it's been an issue that you guys have talked about the Nets for a while is just playing down to competition. And I felt yep. like a lot of that, even after the first quarter where it felt like it was going to be a blowout, not just in the fourth quarter, but just throughout like ever since that first quarter, the game just kind of got ugly. And it felt like the Nets were kind of just being lazy with it. They weren't getting good looks for anybody. I know you mentioned pregame that they weren't creating good looks for Joe Harris and, you know, Harden and Kyrie, they were taking most of the shots of the game. And And it just felt like it was very lazy on both ends of the ball. We'll get into the defensive end later in the fourth quarter. But it just was very lazy playing down to competition against the worst team in the NBA. It kind of felt like what was going on
3: lackadaisical like you said pretty careless with the basketball even James Harden post game was talking about you know having some turnovers they don't need to have like that one to Jeff Green like those plays are great but in that situation you have the lead you want to make sure you secure it and just kind of getting some good looks you know we saw Kyrie take some bad shots down the stretch that you know step back three and Ricky Rubio a guy that he crossed up it felt like every single time he had him in an ISO situation so it was like mm-hmm. why settle for that right in that situation so like you said you know and just playing down in the competition and those guys are hungry you know credit Anthony Edwards credit Carly Anthony Towns both guys kind of turned it up and made a lot of plays down the stretch and I was pretty impressed with the guy uh, Jaden McDaniels tonight
1: yeah he's a solid rookie and cat obviously uh, came out before the game playing in front of his dad for the first time in a long time so
3: love to see that for him but
1: um, yeah no just uh, just a weak game uh, even one of the looks that Harden had that went in feels like he was making more threes than he usually does over the last, especially over the last few weeks but um, no it's just, just really Nets need to be better Nash needs to be better. Um, and that was just, yeah,
3: that's about it. What did you think about Nash going with Jeff Green to close the game against Carlton Towns? Do you think he should have went with Claxton there or do you think Green was the right choice?
1: It's hard because Claxton offensively was not having a good game at all, but obviously you don't have Nick Claxton there for offense. Um, I, I'm a big Nick Claxton fan, so obviously anytime that I think that he should be out there, he should be out there. But um, I don't mind it. We obviously have more reinforcements coming in LaMarcus Aldridge and Kevin Durant soon enough, but uh, just for one type of night, I don't think it was the worst decision, but I'd, I'd definitely prefer to see Claxton out there.
3: Yeah. Or even honestly, the combination of the two, I think would be something I wouldn't be opposed to, especially with Kevin Durant still being out. It gives you a little bit more size than, you know, Bruce Brown being out there, especially on a lot of those switches. And obviously Bruce Brown had that turnover late in the game. He did make up for it with that really nice offensive rebound. Will, what did you think of the defense down the stretch? Just very lackadaisical?
1: Yeah, I just felt like a lot of the the Timberwolves were getting easy shots and not only that, I felt like the Timberwolves were getting a lot of offensive rebounds in that fourth quarter. I don't have the numbers on it, but it just felt like a lot of the times the Nets couldn't just put away possessions and the Timberwolves would kind of just get an extra shot up or you know, that they would just be able to get a shot off early in the shot clock and it was good luck and it would just go in.
3: Yeah, not much difficulty getting into the paint, and for the game, 17-7 to 7 in terms of offensive rebounding in favor of the Timberwolves, and it felt like every time they did get an offensive rebound, it was an easy two. You know, there was that play with Anthony Edwards, there was a play with Carl Anthony Towns, it's like, you need to have that group rebounding late in the game, especially if you're going to play small.
1: Yeah, there was that play with Cat, where it was just, I felt like it was like three or four offensive rebounds that the Timberwolves got before it finally went in, and it's just like... Part of it is size. Cat is, would be the tallest player on the floor in that situation. But it's also just effort. And the Nets, obviously, we know that they turn it up for big games and big opponents. But even against a team like the Denver Wolves, you know, we know they're the worst team in the NBA, but we'd like to see them just put in a little bit more effort. I mean, you saw what happened in the Wizards game. You saw what happened in the Pistons game earlier in the season. Uh, it, it's just the Pistons game even two days ago, right, where yep. it came down to, to the wire and it came down to almost the last shot of the game. You just like to see them put in a little bit more effort on the defensive end, and they're just not doing it, especially against these terrible teams.
3: Especially too early in the game, just to close this out. You know, we're talking about the fourth mm-hmm. quarter being a closed game, but the Nets were up 12 after one. And I think there was a real opportunity to turn this into a blowout. And like you said, Minnesota is one of the worst teams in the league, arguably the worst team in the league. No reason you can't really turn it up and find some rest for a guy like James Harden. And I was hoping going to this game, maybe they could find him some minutes off but he ended up playing 40 minutes again tonight and a high usage rate and a lot of work and he had to play to the the final seconds of this one and it's just a situation where you'd rather see the team kind of take care of business early and get some of these older guys or some some of these guys that have played a ton of minutes rest
1: yeah I mean the only positive that you can take out of that is that it helps his MVP case and <laughs> he's carrying this this team where you know Tyler Johnson's playing 27 minutes and TLC's playing 15 minutes and and these guys but James Harden's playing out there playing 40 minutes and he's he looks tired ever since the second half has kind of started and there's been no Kevin Durant and Kyrie's been in and out of the lineup and it's been I mean just 40 plus minutes from James Harden pretty much every game since you know the second half started in the West Coast trip and and uh, over these last couple of weeks and just feels like he looks tired he obviously took the game off against Utah but he, he needs a break coming up, and I think when Kevin Durant comes back and the Nets can have two superstars in the lineup again, we might see his minutes go down again.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, even if you can get him down to some 36-minute games, some 34-minute games, or even when KD's back, I know Harden hates to do this, but give him a couple nights off because he just yeah, needs I don't it. think he's
1: going to do that. <laughs>
3: yeah, I don't think he's going to do it, but that's what you really need. He really needs like a week off to get him ready for the postseason because like we've seen in the past in Houston, he kind of gasses himself out, but for good reason because the guy lit it up tonight. You know, 38 points, 11-25 from the field, 4-8 of eight from three, 13 assists, 11 rebounds, another triple-double, 12th of the season, tying Jason Kidd for the all-time high in a net season. I mean, (laughs) another great performance. And it didn't even start hot for him in terms of scoring.
1: No, he started out real. I mean, he did have six assists in the first quarter and that's what he does. And that's what is, makes him so valuable to this team is that even when he's, you know, starting out like a classic, like one of six, two of eight from the field, he's still dishing out double digits assists no matter what every single game. And that's just what you love to see from him, you know, creating shots for Kyrie, for Joe Harris, you know, throwing it up to DeAndre, Nick Claxton and Jeff Green in the paint. It's just what makes him so valuable and so important to this team. And the fact that he's broken, yeah, or is gonna he's gonna break Jason Kidd's record? He's gonna have another triple double this season. I promise you, I'll put money on that. But you know, it, just the fact that he's done that already, and he's been here for what thirty something games. It's just just out of this. It just speaks to the level of talent that he has. Because Jason Kidd's a Hall of Famer, right? The Nets have had Hall of Famers before. You know, Julius Irving, Vince Carter, Richard Je- not Richard Jeff, not a Hall of Famer. He's a good player. But just the fact that you know we've had so many good players before, and James Harden's already out here breaking so many records. Kevin Durant was doing it earlier into the season too. Just speaks to the level of talent that these guys have.
3: Yeah, uh, all-time offensive player. Like, he's that good in what he can do in terms of scoring and passing the basketball. Like you said, you know, even when his shot's not on, he's passing the ball and setting guys up. And he just had, like, numerous just dimes tonight where it's just, like, casual for him, especially that one play he had to Kyrie where he threw, like, a bounce pass. It was, like, a slow bounce, and it turned into a three-pointer. I was just like... Who does that? And then also the behind the back pass, of Bruce Brown in traffic. I didn't even really know what he was doing in that situation. It's just really incredible. And then the team needs you to score. Okay, I'll drop 38 points. And like you said, three-point shot hasn't really been on. Tonight, four of eight might be a good sign moving forward.
1: Yeah, he had a couple of them. He had the step back one, which was really nice. And then he had that one where he was clearly going to try to draw a foul. But it ended up going in anyway. And it kind of was just that type of fourth quarter for him.
3: Yep, and he does it in so many different ways, not just a three-point shot. We saw the layup package in there, obviously the floater, the push shot, and he just had Carl Anthony Towns kind of frozen at so many different points in this game because he didn't know if he was throwing the lob or throwing the lay-in. And I thought, you know, honestly, he had some really nice success with DeAndre Jordan this game. You know, some of that's Minnesota's defense being horrendous, but DJ was able to just find dunk after dunk after dunk.
1: I felt like it was all in the first quarter too, but you mentioned – James Harden and his inside scoring. I kept going back and forth with myself in this game. You know, who's the better inside scorer between him and Kyrie? Because Kyrie had those really nice jerseys. He had a few of them tonight where he just, you know, crossed over like two guys while going into the paint and was able to put it in. But then James Harden, you know, as like you said, you know, sometimes confusing Minnesota with trying to put it up. And you don't know if he's passing or putting it up. And no matter what, I think James Harden doesn't even know yet. When he starts to drive, and he starts to go up with it. I don't even think he knows what he's doing with it yet until like the last segment. Like, oh, I, I can put it in. All right, let me put it in right here. He's just so good at every aspect of offense. It's ridiculous.
3: Yeah. I mean, the decision making, like you said, I think he's just reading the defender in the air. And, you know, it's funny enough, I think that is a really nice comparison. James Harden does it a lot with power and obviously playing off his passing, where Kyrie is just like pure finesse. And I mean, Kyrie caught Anthony Edwards a couple of times with the Euro step tonight and the rookie was going the completely <laughs> wrong direction. I mean, it was beautiful stuff from Kyrie and he started this game super hot. He did end up cooling down, but 27 points, 11 of 22 from the field, two of eight from three, seven rebounds, three assists and three steals.
1: Yeah. That new dad energy for Kyrie <laughs> Irving. Um, no, I mean, I, I sent out a tweet about it earlier. He actually was doing a pretty good job on the defensive end in this one, which you like to see from him, especially after a week off. But, um. No, Kyrie, that first quarter was unbelievable. It felt like it was one of those classic Kyrie games where it was just like the Chicago game or the first game they ever had as a net. Just one of those games where he just absolutely can't miss. And then he obviously started to cool off as the game went on. But that first quarter was just, was just out of this world.
3: Yeah. And I mean, coming back after not playing for a couple of days, he looked really fresh in that first quarter and even a lot of his misses later in the game just kind of rimmed out. And obviously, you know, that's just going to happen for him. But 11 to 22, you'd like to three, see the three point numbers up a little bit more. But like you said, defensively, I think he does a good job on ball pressure for like young guys that don't have good handles. You know what I mean? He really knows how yeah. to make them feel uncomfortable
1: know creating a couple steals and even some steals that don't go on the box score and go to something else it feels like he just makes guys feel uncomfortable when he's on them
3: yep and i think that's really what he has to do because he is very undersized obviously he's not going to be able to muscle guys but what you can do is get your hand on a couple balls in there and really disrupt things but um will who do you want to talk about next let's talk
1: about blake griffin for a second because he had an, a very interesting game he yep. had four fouls in the first quarter but he also had that really, really nice pass. And Nick, I know you're a Packers fan. When they slowed that pass down and he made that corner pass to Tyler Johnson, I thought he was Aaron Rodgers for a second. I mean, that he was in the air and there were like three or four guys that he could have gone to. And just at the last second threw it to Tyler Johnson perfectly. And Tyler nailed the three. That was just an amazing pass.
3: Yeah, I mean, it really was. It was kind of like a no look, like pause midair. Let me throw a straight rocket off one leg with no balance. It might have been the pass of the night. And that's pretty tough to do when you play in the same team as James Harden. But like you said, extremely interesting game for Blake Griffin because (laughs) what was it, Will? Four fouls in the first six minutes of the game?
1: In his first six minutes, yeah. Yeah. But he was also a plus 13. He drew a couple charges like he always does. He was, I mean, he was impactful, right? Offensively, five assists. Um, And, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't completely on board with the Blake Griffin signing when it first happened. But seeing how much of, like, a veteran impact that he has on this team, someone who just has an incredibly high basketball IQ and can make a difference in every aspect of the ballgame, whether it's three-point shooting that we saw in Detroit, whether it's taking charges like he's done all season, passing the ball, it feels like he always knows what the right thing to do is and he always has a positive impact on this team.
3: I agree. I've really loved the signing so far. And like you said, I, I didn't, I wasn't nervous about it, but I was unsure about how much of an impact he would have. And based off, you know, the early signs, it looks very good. You know, five, six and five tonight. And like you said, plus 13. And he finds ways to impact the game. You know, a lot of hustle mm-hmm. plays. Blake's probably been on the ground more than any other net. <laughs> Some of <laughs> maybe that is,
1: maybe Bruce Brown,
3: maybe Bruce Brown. Yeah, obviously, maybe something with that Detroit water over there, those guys, <laughs> but um, I really like the chemistry we're seeing between Blake Griffin and James Harden. You're starting to see some real cohesion. There was a play in the fourth quarter where passed the ball to Blake. Blake went to a little post up, gave a dribble handoff to James Harden and ended up getting him a nice three. So I think just some of that chemistry is just going to unlock different things for the second unit. And like you said, Will, the basketball IQ really sticks out.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you you speak about the uh, the chemistry with Harden. I, I remember a quote coming out that James that uh, Blake Griffin said he was really excited to play with James Harden for the first time in his career, and that those two have been talking about playing with each other for a while. It's just, it feels like a lot of, especially the veterans, and I'm excited to see what LaMarcus can do in that aspect, too, And we can talk about him a little bit later. But it, it just feels like Blake Griffin, and even with Kyrie Irving, and I'm excited to see what he can do with Kevin Durant, too. It just feels like, you know, he... He always knows what to do. He always knows where to be. And he always knows what the right play is.
3: Yep. And I feel like we're starting to see chemistry develop with him and Kyrie. There was a couple incidents in the game where they just kind of weren't on the same page. But that's going to kind of come with more reps on the floor. And obviously, Blake's mentioned this a couple times. The Nets haven't really had many opportunities to practice. So it's kind of tough getting a feel for your teammates. But let's talk about some of the other bigs. We kind of touched on Nick Claxton earlier. Offensively, he struggled in this game. But defensively, he still did his thing. And it feels like he does that every single night. Five rebounds, three blocks, and only put up two points.
1: Yeah, and oh God, the difference between him and DeAndre Jordan when it comes to guarding a big man like Carl Anthony Towns is just astronomical. I mean, yep. you don't even have to be like in, like trying to analyze the game to see the difference. You could just be a casual fan and see, oh, Nick Claxton, he's going out there and he's guarding Cat on the perimeter while well, DeAndre Jordan is kind of kind of locked in the paint a little bit more and he just can't move as well laterally vertically DeAndre Jordan's kind of just like an anchor down there in the paint and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say that about him but Nick Laxton just it's the energy it's the quickness it's it's the the athleticism from him that you just love to see especially against someone who can stretch the floor like Kat and especially against some of the bigs that the Nets will be facing down the line it's just he brings so much energy offensively he had a couple balls that Went in and out. He had a couple of balls that, I mean, he should have finished the dunk that he got from Kyrie, but offensively his game will come. I'm not worried about it at all. Just defensively is where the potential is.
3: You know what he needs to learn offensively is that stopping is actually to his advantage. He tries to constantly outrun players, and then when they start to recover, they're able to get back into the play. A couple times tonight, mm-hmm. he, he got the step on guys, and all he had to do was kind of hit him with a quick pump fake and probably would have had an easy lay-in. Obviously, being a young player, you're a little bit overzealous is pretty common, but like you said, defensively, I absolutely love Nick Claxton. I think that he has an argument for being the best defender on the Nets already at his age, even better than Kevin Durant because of some of the tools that he has. He's just extremely fluid. His body just is so smooth and, you know, switching off to different players and guarding guards in this game. And it even you're starting to see that, like, some of the guards are like, oh, actually, I can't attack this guy one-on-one. I'm not going to do it. You saw Anthony Edwards try it once early in the game and didn't go back to it later on because Claxon's starting to get kind of a reputation. and He's just a lot to deal with. He's just moves his feet so well and the length is just impactful you know what I mean even when you think that yeah. you have a step or you have a lay-in he's able to kind of get his hand in there every time I see him contest a shot I think that it's going to be a miss
1: yeah and I saw someone put out a tweet on it about it today I think it was Matt Brooks who said like you know teams are starting to move away from yep. Nick Claxton and that you know earlier when he was first playing against you know Houston and San Antonio, those games when he was doing really well, teams were kind of attacking him a lot more. And they were, you know, they were getting punished for it. Well, I feel like the last couple games, the teams have kind of been moving away from him. trying.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: get away from him, not letting him you know switch on to guys on the perimeter because he's just been so good at that
3: yep and it's really great because he just ends up in the center of the floor and he ends up with a lot of on-ball defense and like you said teams are kind of getting a little bit nervous in terms of attacking him I feel like the game against Portland where he had so many great defensive stops on CJ and Dame Lillard kind of put the league on notice like if you're gonna lock down a backcourt <laughs> like that people are gonna take notice of you and Claxons continuing to improve and like you said offensively we get a little boost there Next thing you know, he's going to become an even
2: bigger weapon than he already is. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G
3: Not his best game, but still a very solid game from Jeff Green. Ten points, four six from the field, two or two from three, four rebounds, one assist, one steal, two blocks, and two turnovers. Kind of filled up that entire stat line, which he does on a regular basis.
1: Honestly, is there anything else that you could ask about him? I mean, ask of him at this point in his career? I like, would just you know? ask
3: him why he always wants the murder guys in the paint. I mean, he <laughs> tried to I'll catch Reed tonight. <laughs>
1: I mean, a steal two blocks. I mean, this is just a classic Jeff Green game. You know, having something to fill up in everything in the box score, perfect from three. It's just he's he's the perfect player for this team, right? Yep. He's kind of like a, a Mister Do It Everything. He can guard the five, he can guard the four. I mean, play the five, play the four, right? And he can even guard them too. But um, he's just been kind of the perfect player for the Nets all season. And when he got hurt, it was you you kind of felt how much the Nets were hurt by that because he's he's veteran impact on the floor, high IQ can hit from anywhere on the floor. He's just he's just been a, a breath of fresh air for this team and someone who I, I didn't have high expectations for when the Nets signed him. But he's really opened my eyes to how important he is to this team. And I think a lot of it is, you know, he's played with James Harden, I think, for the last couple of years. So obviously that helps too.
3: Yeah, obviously has, the you know, played with him in Houston, played with him OKC, uh, has the relationship with Kevin Durant, some of the other guys in the staff, too. So Jeff Green, I think the leadership, too, is kind of a little bit undersold. Guys really respect him. And I also love the fact that Jeff Green's willing to do the dirty work. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he is undersized. He had no issue banging with Cat, no issue trying to body guys in the paint or whatever it might be. He does whatever's asked of him. Also pretty happy they're able to keep his minutes at 21 because he's had some big minute games this season. And obviously he's a little up there in age.
1: Yeah, obviously, you want to arrest him. Big minutes coming up for the playoffs in about a month and a half, I think. Yep. But he's just been absolutely perfect for this team. I, there's nothing else I could ask from, you know, I think he's what, 35, 36 years old yep. at this point.
3: Just, I, just perfect signing for this team by Sean Marks. Now, moving on to DeAndre Jordan. And honestly, I <laughs> didn't really think it was a terrible game from DeAndre, but it's also because we only saw him on the floor for 12 minutes.
1: Yeah, and I think that's actually really telling. And, with LaMarcus Aldridge coming soon because Nash said before the game that LaMarcus is going to have a chance to start and that, ripped. yeah. Did you not see that?
3: No, I did not. So that's a pretty spicy right there.
1: Nash before the game is just going to have a chance to, to start. But um, Jordan only 12 minutes. Claxton played more than him. Jeff Green closed. I think at this point it's kind of just a, a gold watch kind of thing with DeAndre just being able to start just like, all right, you're a veteran, you're best friends with our best two players, Right. You can you can start these games, but you're not gonna play more than fifteen minutes, you're not gonna close, you're not gonna um you're not really gonna have much of an impact in this one because you're just you haven't been good this season. But you know what? When he plays like this, when he's, you know, catching those lobs from Harden, when he's having he's not the worst player in the plane like he was today, I think that he can provide some value to this team. But again, it's not about who starts, it's about who finishes. And DeAndre Jordan, I don't even think played much in the second half at all today. And that's what mattered to me. And that, uh, that was a better game plan from Nash than what we saw in the past.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think he played about six minutes in the first quarter and about six minutes in the third quarter, kind of that golden state starting center thing we've <laughs> seen in the past. And like you said, Hey, that might be the right role for him. Come in, set the tone, be physical, catch a couple dunks and then go to the bench and then kind of be there in case they need him. And I don't think they're necessarily going to rely on him much moving forward other than maybe a couple matchups that really help him excel. But There aren't necessarily a ton of matchups just based off the way he played. And it's going to be really interesting with LaMarcus Aldridge coming in. And if he does take that starting spot for DeAndre Jordan, and that means that DeAndre is not going to play.
1: I mean, I can't see a world where LaMarcus Aldridge starts and DeAndre Jordan and Nick Claxton both get 15 plus minutes off the bench and Blake Griffin. I just, I can't see a world where that happens. So obviously a decision is coming in terms of minutes for Steve Nash. I'm also interested because obviously I think Philadelphia is coming for us in the playoffs. You know, what do they do against Joel Embiid? Because DeAndre Jordan, I don't know if he's gonna be unplayable against Joel Embiid or if they're gonna rather go for Marcus Aldridge or Nick Claxton.
3: Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. And part of me feels like, you know, it's gonna be DJ versus Aldridge for that one set of minutes. I think the other guys have done enough and they have a differential in their game from the skill set that those two have. Obviously, the Marcus and DeAndre have different skill sets, but they are both the, the truest centers on the roster in terms of size. They're similar
1: defensively, too.
3: Yep, both very immobile, to be honest. <laughs> Which isn't <laughs> but, necessarily know, LaMarcus
1: Marcus has the added bonus that he's a solid three-point shooter, or at least he has been for the past few years, and I think that's going to add a lot, of, a lot of value to the Nets. I mean, imagine if DeAndre Jordan can shoot 35% from three, and just the difference that that would have made this season.
3: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, uh, even obviously some of the other stuff with LaMarcus, we'll touch on him a little bit later. Um, Let's see. Anybody else in this game? I guess let's talk Joe Harris. It feels like every time Jack misses a Brooklyn Buzz, (laughs) Joe Harris has a rough game. And tonight, you know, seven points. It's not a coincidence. (laughs) It's not. Yeah, it is not a coincidence. Seven (laughs) points, two of six on the field, one of three from three, two of two from the free throw line, six rebounds, one assist, two steals. It wasn't a terrible game from Joe. It just wasn't very impactful offensively.
1: And If Joe Harris is playing 30 minutes, I want him to have more than three three three-point attempts. I think that's where I'm at with him, right? It it could be James Harden and Kyrie not creating enough looks for him. It could be the other team defending him pretty well. I remember possession in the fourth quarter where Joe Harris was going to get off the three, but then he pumped fake and the shot clock ran out on him and he couldn't get a shot off. It's just one of those games where it's like, especially playing with Bruce Brown and DeAndre Jordan in the starting five, you need more shots for Joe Harris
3: agreed and i think also like you said it's a combination of the team i think it's a combination of joe he also could be a little bit fatigued too he's up there in minutes in terms of you know players on this team and i think also like some of the more athletic defenders like minnesota has a lot of those young guys they're playing with a ton of energy just trying to limit some of those looks it'd be interesting if the nets maybe started calling a couple sets just to get him shots but Overall, I don't think he's super upset, and long as the Nets win, he's not really going to care. And he had a couple nice hustle plays in this game, too. That's uh, always what you
1: want from Lumber Joe, you know? <laughs> Just a couple hustle plays, but I need more shots from him.
3: Yep. Bruce Brown, 10 points tonight, 3 of 4 from the field, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. He did have 5 assists and 5 rebounds. He did have that costly turnover towards the end of the game, but overall, a pretty solid game from Bruce Brown. Nothing too crazy.
1: I mean, he started to hit that floater again, which he yep. hasn't been hitting in the last couple of weeks, and you'd love to see that. If he could get back to where he was pre-All-Star break, I think that'd be really big for this team. Defensively, he's going to do his thing. He made up for that turnover with a big board in the, yep. in the fourth quarter. Um, not a great game, but if he's starting, then I don't... As long as he's hitting that you know, mid-range floater slash inside floater that he has, I'm, I'm fine with it.
3: Yeah, that's obviously huge for him because if he's not hitting that, then it, offensively he's not really providing much, especially the minutes on the floor he is with DeAndre Jordan. But talking TLC, Tyler Johnson, <laughs> any thoughts on those guys?
1: Oh, God. Um, TLC, I don't <laughs> – I, I give me one reason why TLC is playing over Lise Johnson right now.
3: Like, uh, honestly. Three, the, I think it's just a three-point shot, to be honest. and obviously Three-point shot was, that he went
1: 0 for, 0 for 2 tonight.
3: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. I mean, Alizé Johnson, I think probably isn't going to be long term on this team. So I don't no. think the Nets His are going to be. runs
1: up soon, I don't think he's yeah. coming back. But so. still, it's just, it's frustrating because DOC, I just, he has these boneheaded plays. He had that one on the three on one that the Nets had and just threw right back to Minnesota. And it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Right. He, yep. He's just, well, I, I, he has moments where he looks like he's an elite three point shooter or he can be at least a solid 3-and-D guy in this league. But then he has moments where he really just looks like the worst player in the NBA, and it's so frustrating that he's playing you know, 15 minutes a night on a team that's supposed to be battling for the one seed.
3: Yeah, I think, the, honestly, the thing with TLC is he just lacks a feel of the game. Like, he just doesn't have the basketball instincts that you get from playing a ton of basketball. I don't know a ton about his background, but that's something that I would look to. And, you know, honestly, with Kevin Durant's back, TLC is not going to get any minutes. And honestly, even maybe when Landry Shamit's back, he might not get any minutes.
1: I mean, when all three Aldridge Durant and Shamit back are back, I mean, someone's going to be losing minutes besides just TLC. And I'm going to be
3: interested to see who that's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it it should be, uh, I'm pretty intrigued. Yeah, definitely. I think Tyler Johnson's minutes could be in question a little bit too. Maybe even Bruce Brown, depending on what they go, it could be different matchups. Also, I think, you know, Steve Nash will look at resting guys. But any other areas of this game you want to touch on, Will?
1: Let me think. Um, no, I think Tyler Johnson was solid in his uh, 26 minutes, 27 minutes. He, you know, you're not asking much from him. He's kind of just the backup point guard right now. And if he's, you know, he did go one of five from three tonight, but he wasn't awful. He wasn't awful enough for me to, like, notice him being awful. So just solid game from him. Solid pregame outfit, too, if you saw that.
3: Yeah, he's a scrappy guy out there. I think that's what you appreciate with Tyler Johnson. Even when the shot's not falling, you can count on him for making play after play in which he typically does make just a lot of hustle plays. He boxes out, is willing to battle with the bigs. But overall, you know, just touching on this game, that's just didn't play with enough effort throughout the game. There was an opportunity for them to blow this one open, and they didn't. They had a lead as much as 17, couldn't turn that up 25 and get the guys some rest. That's what I think the next step is for this team, coming against some of these bad teams. You know, we have Houston coming up. We're going to face, obviously, some more bad teams throughout the season. Blow these guys out, get more reps for the young guys, and also get some rest for your starters and your stars.
1: Yeah, we have the easiest remaining schedule in the NBA, and we have, you know, Houston, I think they're the second or third worst team in the NBA coming up on Wednesday. I'm gonna be out that game. That's gonna be fun. Ooh. But um yeah, we'll, we'll fireball right there. But um no, it's just it's honestly at the end of the day, I'm not worried about it because when we play teams like the Lakers, we've won. When we played the Clippers, we beat them twice. We beat the Bucks. We have a big test against them at the end of the uh, the end of April, I think, where we played them twice in a row and that'll be fun. But as long as we're, you know, beating the bad teams and teams and yelled you know. You know just not losing that much when we only have 15 losses on the season. And I'm not really worried a big picture about a game like this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Obviously the W's are what matter. And this is an incredibly weird season with COVID, the condensed schedule and all aspects of that and players missing time. But well, we've touched on it throughout the show. Obviously LaMarcus Aldridge was bought out by the San Antonio Spurs and somewhat of a surprise. He ended up signing with the Brooklyn Nets. What was your reaction when you saw this? Because I was a little bit <laughs> shocked to be honest.
1: Uh, I was working, and I mean, when I when I went with the notification first popped on my phone, and I kind of had to do a double-take. Like, what? Like, we signed who? Because I thought it was a lot that he was going to the Miami Heat, honestly. Yep. That's been the rumor forever, and they kind of need someone like him. But he, he chose Brooklyn, and I think that says two things. One, the Nets are not committed to DeAndre Jordan long-term at the center position. And two, is that every vet who gets bought out, almost every vet, sees the Nets as a clear title favorite. Blake Griffin said it. Marcus Aldridge said it by signing here over more playing time in Miami, right? Players see the Nets as the clear favorite for the title. And that speaks volumes to me.
3: Yeah. I mean, credit to obviously the superstars in the team. I think Kevin Durant probably did a lot of recruiting here. They have the the ties to Texas. So that could have probably played a factor in this one, but Sean Marks and what he's done with the organization and making it a destination because it's not only the star players, but the overall, the organization and all the aspects of it. I think it really has a good name in the NBA. And like you said, Every single buyout player has essentially been linked to Brooklyn. Like, even the guys that they haven't even signed. Like, there was talk about Gorgie Dang being talked to by the Nets. And, obviously, the Andre Drummond hype was there for a while. But they are just becoming that team. And, obviously, players around the league talk. And there's a lot of excitement surrounding the Brooklyn Nets. And we probably haven't even seen the best of their basketball because, you know, the Scary Hours Big Three has hardly played any minutes together.
1: Five games together. And even... You know, you mentioned talk about, you know, players during the Nets. I was talking about J.J. Reddick during the Nets when he was still on the Pelicans. Those are ridiculous. But no, just basketball-wise, about LaMarcus Aldridge, he's, I think, 36, 35 at this point. So I'm not expecting a whole lot from him. But I think we're also going to see a lot like what we saw from Blake Griffin, what we talked about earlier, right? High basketball IQ. He's been around the league for a while. Underrated passer. He can shoot the three. And I'm interested to see if the Nets will play him and Claxton together because Aldridge can shoot, and you obviously don't want to play like someone like Claxton and Jordan together, unless it was that weird five minutes against Utah where they play every <laughs> big at the same time. <laughs> um, other than that, like Aldridge and Claxton together, Aldridge and Griffin together is a possibility, Aldridge and Green. Uh, there's just so many ways that Nash can go with this, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. I mean, Marcus Aldridge, Nash, I told you Nash said before the game that you know, he's going to have an opportunity to start on this team, potentially. So we'll, we'll see what happens and what the lineup will look like when Kevin Durant's back, but it's going to be a fun time to see what, you know, just another former All-Star that this team can bring in and see what you know, Nash can do with it.
3: Yeah, I mean, 2018, 2019, he was an All-Star. He's obviously fallen off a bit, but I think motivation is a huge factor. And you talked about it. We've seen Blake kind of look a little bit recharged since coming to Brooklyn. I think some of that is the performance team, but also it's playing for something. Like, no disrespect to San Antonio, going to the season or the last two seasons, best-case scenario was a first-round knockout. Now he has an opportunity to really win a championship, and I think that could provide some extra motivation. And talking about his offensive game, like you mentioned, Will, you know, the three-point shot is there. He's been able to knock down the mid-range since he's gotten into the league. I think an underrated aspect of his ad as well is his touch inside. Like, this is a guy that can finish inside. He doesn't. You just need to dunk the ball. And that can be a huge, you know, benefit for a guy like James Harden just kind of drop the ball off to LaMarcus Aldridge, easy to lay in there because he is still a big body at 6'11", has some real size. The question mark with him is defensively. You know, he's looked pretty bad over the last year or two in San Antonio, has to play a lot of drop coverage. I'm going to be intrigued if he can end up switching or not. But if he can provide at least high energy on the end of the floor in short spurts and rebound the uh, rebound the basketball a little bit better than he has over the last season, I think it could be a nice boost. I don't necessarily have high expectations. I think I have higher expectations for Blake Griffin, but I'm intrigued by LaMarcus Aldridge and what kind of spark the Nets could give him.
1: Just ridiculous that Harden has another option inside. I mean, the Nets are really doing a great, Sean Marks especially is doing just an absolutely fantastic job just building this team around the superstars. You know, you see times when, like, superstars come together and it's kind of just those guys playing together and the team's not really built around them. Sean Marks has really done a great job just building around Harden's skill set, building around Kyrie's skill set, building around, you know, Kevin Durant and guys that can finish inside and guys that can, you know, play solid defense on the perimeter. It's just been, it's going to be amazing to watch when this team is fully healthy.
2: Yeah,
3: 100%. And I think I heard this on the Dunker Spot podcast, just talking about, The versatility in which the nets have you know they essentially have a counter for every single matchup in the nba because they have an assortment of bigs they have an assortment of superstars you know just so many different options on this team and so many different elements for steve nash i think the intriguing thing is is like How much is Steve Nash going to be able to figure out about this team before the postseason begins? Because the more he's able to figure out, the more tools and counters he'll have going into the postseason. And LaMarcus Aldridge could be part of one of those tools or one of those lineups. And you kind of brought this up earlier, Will. Do you think that it's likely that he'll take DeAndre Jordan's spot? Or do you think maybe even somebody else in the center rotation could end up getting the starter spot, not being DeAndre or LaMarcus Aldridge?
1: Well, when I'm at the game, I'm going to start to start Claxton, Chen. I will tell you that for <laughs> sure. I don't think Claxton's going to start. I don't think Jeff. So I'll here's tell you why I don't want
3: Claxton to start is because I don't want him to take the wear and tear of the early minutes of a game because that's when you mm-hmm. typically see those big centers, those bruisers, and right. I want to I want to keep Claxton fresh. I know a lot of people have talked about playing him thirty plus minutes. I don't think physically not he's not ready for that yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe next season, but I want to I want to kind of almost keep that body safe for the postseason because I really think Claxton is one of the biggest tools in this roster defensively.
1: Yeah, and you talked about going back to the starting center. We saw earlier in the season when the team was fully healthy, Jeff Green started a lot of games at the five, or at least a good number of games at the five. I think Nash could definitely go back to that, depending on the match. Like you said, it's all matchup dependent, right? If we're going up against a team that has like, you know, a good shooting center, but not so dominant inside, then yeah, obviously, like, they're probably not going to start DeAndre Jordan that game, right? But Yep. It's just going to be all matchup dependent. It's going to be really fun to see what he does. I think it's end. It's going to end up being Aldridge if I had to guess. Just Nash. Nash even bringing that up in the first place says a lot. But um, I really think that the it really Jordan
3: does. Be, I really I, don't
1: I, think yeah Would you say?
3: Go, go ahead, Will. No, go ahead. Uh,
1: no, I was just going to say I, I just I don't think DeAndre's rotational minutes are long for this team.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think they've given him opportunities. And the thing with DeAndre Jordan, (laughs) is some of it obviously is his age and him being a little bit washed, but a lot of it is just effort because we've seen him have good games this season where he's locked in. He plays with good mobility, makes the right rotations, and his head's in the game. But then there's plenty of nights and possessions where it's like, man, what are you doing? Everybody else in the defense knows what they're doing, but not you. And like you mentioned earlier, he's supposed to be the defensive anchor. He's never been that for Brooklyn, though.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the effort. It's like, we know it's there. We've seen him do it. We've seen him have big games, especially against, you know, it feels like when he's going up against a good center is when he plays his best. It's just that we don't do that too often, and he's just blown his opportunity too many, even not only defensively, but offensively. For some reason, he's had a problem this year of, you know, catching passes and not being able to do that. I don't know where that came from for him. It's just, it's been ridiculous for him. It's just... The Nets gave him a super long leash and starting him over Jared Allen at the end of last season. I was just super confused when they started doing that and going into this season, starting him over Jared Allen was was crazy to me. And they just kept going with it and it hasn't worked. And I, I don't know why they kept going with it.
3: Yeah. And I think Aldridge is a guy that really can come in because he's always kind of been a better player than DeAndre Jordan. And Aldridge obviously has a connection to Kevin Durant as well. So I find it pretty intriguing to see what to happen on that front or what they do with the big men rotation. And to be honest, if LaMarcus Aldridge starts, I wouldn't be opposed to him getting the DeAndre Jordan minute count either. You know, the first six minutes of the first quarter and the first six minutes of third quarter. Not that I think he's a bad player, but I really just like some of the flexibility that you get from a Claxton, from a Jeff Green, and from a Blake Griffin.
1: And you talked about, you know, the Nets being able to go up against any matchup. And Nick Claxton is probably... The biggest part of that, just because of his versatility, he can guard almost anybody on the floor. We've seen him be able to guard, you know, Damien Lillard, and we saw him guard Cat tonight, effectively, right? He's just yep. so versatile. And he, the Nets are lucky. I saw someone say this the other day, that the Nets are almost lucky that Nick Claxton didn't play in the first half of the season because he absolutely would have been demanded in the James Harden trade if he had played in the first half of the season because he's just that good and he's that eye-opening whenever you watch him play.
3: 100%. And obviously, you know, Claxton is just a difference maker, obviously, for the Nets this season, but it's also a young piece that they have moving forward. And I know people have talked about him being a trade piece, but even just keeping him on the roster, there is plenty of star potential. And I think offensively, we haven't seen much but there's a lot he can do on the end of the floor when he kind of gets his game a little bit more refined. He, We've seen him hit a three
1: before. He's hit a yep. couple threes in his NBA career. I mean, who knows? I think the
3: handles is. are sneaky too. You got to keep an eye on the handles. guard right there. Yeah, he, he can really just handle the basketball, looks comfortable with it, and that's rare. Like, even just thinking about mm-hmm. Jared Allen, and I remember his first rookie season, and essentially this is kind of Claxton's rookie season given how many games he's played. Jared Allen was kind of scared to have the ball in his hands but he wasn't dunking <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, no, Claxton is, he's just not a traditional, he's almost the opposite of Jared Allen in a lot of ways, right? Jared Allen is very solid, he's almost like a young DeAndre Jordan, very solid in the paint, very solid, can't really go outside of the paint, especially offensively. Nick Claxton, you're comfortable if he's outside of the paint on either end of the floor. You're comfortable with him guarding almost anybody on the floor. He's just, he's wonderful for this team, I'm so so happy that Sean Marks took him in the second round. I can't believe he fell to the second round. It's going to be one of those drafts where you look back in 10 years and say, how did Nick Claxton fall to the second round? Like, we look back with Jokic right now, It's just ridiculous.
3: Yeah, and how did he end up on this Brooklyn Nets team? It's obviously a big deal. And I'm most interested in seeing Nick Claxton guard elite wings. I want to see him maybe in a matchup with, like, a Paul George or how he deals with, like, a Chris Middleton or a Giannis, like some of those guys. I'm just kind of circling every game the Nets have, and I want <laughs> to see Claxton D up, you know, possibly their best offensive player you mentioned him defending cat tonight i've I mentioned mentioned uh message jack before the game and i was talking about how like i was interested to see how he could deal with cat and i thought even in the possession he had him in the post he did a really nice job
1: yeah and i don't know christian wood is going to play on wednesday he was out tonight with an illness um if he plays that's going to be a really fun matchup too because christian wood's kind of a little bit of a similar center to cat and that he can stretch the floor and he's really good kind of offensively it's going to be a fun matchup for him too
3: yeah, I've actually heard some people give Nick Claxton Christian Wood comparisons in terms of their game. I think Claxton has a little bit more potential, but you know, Wood also looks like he could pop off. It's funny though; we started this conversation talking about Lamarcus Aldridge, and somehow it led back to Nick Claxton.
1: <laughs> it always leads back to Claxton, man. He's 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 uh, he's the future of this team, and more wins than one.
3: One hundred percent. Will anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here?
1: Um not that i can think of necessarily uh spencer dinwiddie saying that he thinks that he can come back this season it's a little bit of a a fun tidbit that he put out the other day
3: yeah Yeah. spencer wants to be a scientific study i mean he really wants to set the record for an acl return for a professional athlete obviously he could do it yeah right it helps that it was a partially torn acl and there was no structural damage And I mean, the way his rehab is going, it's been incredible. But Will, big thanks to you for hopping on. Big thanks everybody for listening. Enjoy the game against the Rockets and find the buzz on all streaming platforms.
2: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.